copy of the scriptures, uh, if you would go ahead and turn in the scriptures to John chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I want to go over two ground rules. It's really warm in here. Um, as you, I don't have to tell you that, uh, it seems the air conditioner blew out or something before we got here today. We're going to do our very best to have it fixed for next week. But there are two rules for today. The first is if you are feeling woozy at all, or if you need water, we've got water and fans in the back. You can get up and walk back there and get a water at any point. You will not offend me, okay? That's rule number one. If you need to step outside where there's wind and breeze and all of that, go for it. Rule number two is if you're watching online, I don't want to hear anything about the sweat coming through my shirt, okay? It's going to be gross. It's going to be, as I already looked in the mirror in the bathroom. Um, let's just go ahead and everybody take a look, okay? Get your laugh out. All right. John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There's a story uh, about a town in the Middle East where there were a lot of shepherds and sheep. And uh, as punishment for unpaid taxes to these shepherds and their families uh, for unpaid taxes or various other offenses, the overseeing government would confiscate a shepherd's sheep and would not return those sheep until that shepherd's debts were paid. And so the story goes, a young shepherd spent time, his sheep were confiscated, and then he spent time uh, earning and obtaining the money needed to redeem his sheep. And so he, he, he gets the money and he goes to the government enclosure where the sheep are kept, and there are thousands of sheep in this enclosure, in this sheep pen. And the young shepherd walks up, offers the money to the, the officer and says, hey, I'm here to pick up my 25 sheep. The officer takes the money and says, 25? You got it. And then he goes and he proceeds to take 25 sheep out of the pen. And the shepherd says, no, 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 no. I want my sheep. And the officer says, sir, there are thousands of sheep in this pen. How could you possibly know which 25 are yours? The shepherd said, watch this. And the shepherd began singing a song. And one by one, his 25 sheep started making their way through the crowds, came through the gate to the shepherd's feet, and the shepherd led those sheep to freedom. And you see, the sheep knew the sound of their shepherd's voice. And they trusted the shepherd's voice. And they followed the shepherd's voice into freedom and life. And in our passage today, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me, and they listen to my voice. And if you were here last week, we know that in the context of this passage, Jesus is speaking to religious leaders who 
their sort of thing that they did was they laid heavy burdens on people. And they played and manipulated upon their fears and their anxiety and their dissatisfaction. And in the end, actually led the people away from peace and life and joy and contentment rather than to it. And Jesus says, don't listen to voices that lead you to destruction. And Jesus says, there are voices in this life that if you listen to them, they will lead you astray. And the reality is that you and me and all of us here this afternoon, we are all listening to some voice or voices in our lives. There are voices all around us that are trying to lead us and guide us into some particular direction. And you say, here's the reality, if you are not consciously listening to the voice of something or someone, you are subconsciously being guided by something or someone. And the question for you and me today is this, whose voice are you trusting to lead you into peace, provision, joy, and comfort? Whose voice are you listening to for life? Who can you trust with your life to care for your life and to lead you into a good future? Who can you trust? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Listen to my voice and I will lead you into life. And this metaphor of shepherd and sheep, it's not some new one that Jesus just drops in John chapter 10. This is one that's all throughout the scriptures. And Jesus' hearers, they knew the scriptures, and when they heard Jesus use this metaphor, their minds would have raced back to multiple Old Testament passages. And so this afternoon, I want to take a look at three Old Testament passages that use the sheep-shepherd example, the imagery and we need to understand that all of Jesus' hearers would have thought of these passages as well as many others. But I want us to look at these, and I want us to consider why we need to tune our ears to a voice that we can trust, to a shepherd whose leadership guides us into abundant life and not destruction or discontentment. And so the first passage we ought to look at is Psalm 23. This is the one that we, our minds all race to when we hear the word shepherd. We need a good shepherd to protect us from fear. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is a lot to be afraid of in this life. There are a lot of scary things that we face. And sheep are notoriously fearful. They are, the thing about sheep is this, they're afraid of their own shadows, kind of funny. They're afraid of loud noises. Sheep are pretty defenseless animals too, so they can't fight back against a predator or a thief. Their knees don't bend, they can't run very fast. They, and also sheep are very unintelligent. So if they hear a thunderstorm or if it begins raining, they don't really have the mental capacity to seek shelter when they're afraid. The point of this is sheep are not very smart animals. They're not really, they can't really defend themselves. They're kind of, when it comes to fear and danger, they're kind of worthless. There's really nothing they can do. So I don't know if you guys are aware, if you watch Discovery Channel or if you've seen the advertisements on the side of buses uh, this week, this week is Shark Week, okay? Sharks get weeks dedicated to them. Sheep do not. There is no sheep week. Nobody wants to tune in because there's nothing impressive about sheep. Sheep are not impressive. So where does that leave sheep when something scary happens in their lives, something uh, that causes them to be afraid? They don't have a defense mechanism when they're afraid that is healthy. So sheep typically do one of two things when they come across something that gives them fear. 
the first thing they do is they become very stubborn. Sheep are also very stubborn animals, and they freeze. They, like, get paralyzed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do which is dangerous because they get scared and they freeze. Predator comes, they freeze, and what happens? They become vulnerable. They're easily stolen, easily devoured, easily manipulated, easily exploited. Another thing that sheep do when they get afraid is they just run aimlessly. They take off running and they don't know where they're going. And the, and the truth is, the, the funny thing is, is when one sheep gets afraid and scatters and starts running aimlessly, all the other sheep around it will start running too. Why are you running? I don't know. Why are you running? Ah, and they run off a cliff. This is where the term sheeple comes from. You ever hear politicians? Politicians use the word sheeple. Sheeple refers to people who are easily manipulated, and when the crowd panics, they panic. This is what sheeple are. In 2005, this is a true story, in Turkey, there was a flock of sheep. One of the sheep got scared and ran, just kind of freaked out, ran aimlessly, and ran off of a cliff to its death. And so, you know, when you were growing up, your mom would say, hey, look, you know, if your friends jump off a cliff, would you do it? In the case of a sheep, yes, they would, and they did. So one sheep runs off a cliff in panic, and the other sheep go, what is he afraid of? If he's afraid, I should be afraid. I'm going to follow the sheep. And so one by one, an entire flock of sheep all jumped off of a cliff, 1,500 of them. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sheep. Here's the crazy part. Only 450 of these sheep died because sheep are fluffy. This is true. They form like, a, you know, a pillow. And so <laughs> this is true. You see, when sheep are afraid, they panic, and this causes them to make decisions that actually lead them into greater harm. They become easily manipulated, they freeze, and that makes them vulnerable to predators and thieves. So what do they do? They panic or they freak out. You know what we do? The same thing. When we're afraid, we either freeze or we flee. And here's what we need to be aware of. We need to be sober-minded. We need to recognize that there are powers and there are voices in this world that want to cause you to be afraid and then take advantage of your fear. We are like sheep, and when we're afraid, we either freeze or we panic, and we lose a sense of clarity. And there are false shepherds in this world and predators that are ready to exploit your fear and make promises, false promises, about how you can find peace. If you can be made to be afraid, you can be easily manipulated. There's a, I read a book years ago by a guy who used to be a, a, a work in advertising and marketing and PR, and the book, title of the book says it all, Trust Me, I'm Lying. That was the title of the book. And he said that if any, if he said his goal was to, to uh, marketing, politicians, products, whatever, if they can make you to be afraid, you can be easily manipulated. You see this in politics, you see this in media, you see this in marketing. If a company or a person or interest can cause you to fear, they can easily manipulate your behavior, they can control the products you purchase, they can control the issues that you most care about, and they can control the politicians that you vote for. You also see this happen in abusive relationships. An abusive partner or a friend or a parent can play on your fears and get you to behave in a certain way that benefits them and exploits you. You see, when you feel afraid, 
When you are afraid for your future, when you're afraid for the future of your children, when you're afraid of being alone, or you're afraid of feeling left out, or you're afraid for your finances, or you're afraid of whatever, you know, we all know that it's easy in those moments of fear to wander into doubt, into depression, into paralysis, and into panic. And in our fear, we can easily lose our way. We can stop moving forward altogether and be taken off of the path that leads to life and placed on a path that leads to destruction. But when we're afraid, we must remember that we have a God who is our good shepherd. He walks with us through the valley. And some of you know what that valley looks like because you've walked through it this past year. And he leads us to the other side. And his rod and his staff comfort, and they protect us all along the way. The good shepherd is not out to exploit you. He is not out to manipulate you. He wants what is good and best for your life and and for his glory. And he leads you. He is always and only good, and he always and only wants what is best for you and for his name's sake. So trust our good shepherd. The second thing we need to see this afternoon is that we need a good shepherd who can show us where life is really found. And this is, we see this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. One of the great problems that sheep have is that they get lost really easily. Prone to wander, sheep are. I read this week that the reason that sheep get so lost, uh, get lost so easily is because they nibble themselves lost. They go from one patch of grass They nibble, 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 and then they look up, and then they see another one, and they wander off, and they nibble, 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 and they go from one patch of grass to another until eventually they've separated themselves from the flock, separated themselves from the shepherd. They've lost their way, and they're all alone, and they they can't find food or still water anymore. And if they don't stick, you see, if a sheep does not stick close to the voice of the shepherd, they will nibble themselves lost. And that, of course, is exactly what happens with us. We will nibble away in our lives at inconsequential and trivial patches of grass until we find ourselves wandering without, aimlessly, without meaning, purpose, and then we look at it, we look, we're, we're isolated and we're still hungry. And for many of us, this looks like nibbling at or grazing at whatever pleasures life puts in front of you without first listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we just take whatever thing gets thrown out and we mindlessly just do whatever we're, at, we're, we're told to do, you know. Uh, how many of you have ever had this happen to you? You get off work and you have a plan. You say, I've got a plan for the evening. You say, I'm going to call an old friend tonight. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read my Bible, you know. I'm going to do that home workout you know that Peloton that you bought during coronavirus and you said that home workout equipment, you say, I'm going to do this. I'm paying all this money for the subscription fee. I'm going to do a home workout. And then what do you do? You get home to your apartment. You turn on the phone. I just do a quick email. Check Instagram real quick. And you scroll 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 until you've looked at the clock and you realize you've wasted your night. YouTube, rabbit hole. We've all been there. Or you turn on the television and show after show after show, you know, you get that, are you still watching? Isn't that the most shameful feeling in the world? You're like, I've watched seven episodes of this in a row, and now even Netflix is shaming me. You see, the algorithm sucked you in, and you nibbled and you nibbled and you nibbled until you wasted your entire evening and failed to achieve your purpose for that evening. We've all been there. 
And, the, and, and this is what often happens in our lives. We nibble and we nibble and we nibble until we've wasted our lives. One of my favorite books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. People are like, you like Ecclesiastes? It's so depressing. It's my favorite book of the Bible. But here, let me briefly explain what Ecclesiastes is. You have King Solomon, most likely, I think. King Solomon, who's one of the wealthiest men of all time, one of the wisest men of all time, one of the most powerful men of all time. He wrote, if you've ever thought to yourself, man, you know, I, if I could just have all the success, all the money, all the pleasure in the world, all the intellect, if I could just achieve these things, I would be so satisfied. Well, lucky for you, King Solomon, one of the wealthiest, one of the wisest, one of the, uh, I mean, whatever, he already conducted that experiment. And he said, look, look, you're not going to find satisfaction in all those things. So King Solomon literally writes a book where he says, hey, look, I've got the resources, I've got the power, I'm going to find out what in life gives our life meanings. And so he, went, he parties like you've never believed bigger than any backyard barbecue you've ever thrown. Massive parties. He built massive, huge houses, gardens, and parks in his backyard. He, he was the most powerful king. He had all the money, He's, all, the, all the pleasures you can imagine. You know, hundreds of wives, hundreds more concubines. He's done it all, everything. And in the end, he says, it's all vapor. It's all meaningless. He says all those things are fun for a moment, but in the end, they're like salt water. They quench your thirst for about a millisecond, and then you're left thirstier than you were before you took a drink. And he says they don't offer meaning, and they don't offer the satisfaction that you're looking for. And Solomon, what he's implying is that when we give our lives over to those things over and over and over again without thought or without question, he says it's like a sheep eating a patch of grass and then another and another and another and another until you've wandered so aimlessly that you've lost your way and you're still never fully satisfied. And we're all chasing contentment. We're all chasing purpose in our lives. That's what we're after, isn't it? And there's all sorts of voices trying to tell us where and how to find these things. Celebrity endorsements and Instagram influencers make promises to you that if you just buy this product, dress this way, pursue this certain lifestyle, have this much sex, eat this incredible food, all this, whatever, your, your life will be filled with all the same excitement as theirs. There are worldly philosophies that are out to distract us from greater truth. And so what we do is we nibble and graze, nibble and graze. We seek this thing, we seek that thing, we nibble and graze, and we waste our whole lives chasing after things that we hope will curb our dissatisfaction and discontentment, and we end up never satisfied. We end up lost from the Good Shepherd because we've wandered away. We listen to the, all the false shepherd voices around us, and we amuse and we distract ourselves to death. That is not abundant life. But Solomon, I love the way he finishes the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like super depressing. He's like, I did this and now it didn't give me meaning. I did this and now I'm depressed. It's all meaningless, he says. And you're like, whoa, this guy sounds like my philosophy professor from college. But he ends the book like this. He says, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. 
And Solomon says, my son, beware of anything beyond the voice of the shepherd. Of making many books, there is no end. And of much study is a weariness of the flesh. But he says, the end of the matter, after all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon's tested it. Whatever it is you're chasing, Solomon has attained it. And he says, you can write books about it. You can go after it all you want. But in the end, there's only one duty of man. It's to listen to the voice of the shepherd. And when Jesus comes on the scene a couple hundred years later, and he says, I am the good shepherd, everyone within earshot of him, what they heard was that shepherd that Solomon spoke of where life is found, Jesus is saying that it is him. We need a good shepherd who, is, who can say, hey, you're grazing in the wrong place. You're wandering aimlessly. You're moving from patch to patch. Life is over here with me. Let me lead you into green pastures where you can eat and rest and lie down. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Follow me, and you'll have green pastures that will never go away. The third thing we can see in this passage is that we need a good shepherd because we need a voice that we can trust. You know, the most likely passage of Scripture that came into the people's minds when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, most likely was Ezekiel 34. You may not be familiar with this passage. I encourage you to go read it. It's pretty cool to see, you know, those prophetic words of God light into false shepherds. But when he spoke, when he said, I'm the good shepherd, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they would have immediately, their minds would have gone back to Ezekiel 34, and this would have hit them square in the head, right between the eyes, because they would have known exactly what it is that Jesus was accusing them of. You see, in Ezekiel 34, God calls out through the prophet of Ezekiel, he calls out many of the leaders or shepherds of Israel for their failures to lead the people of God. Listen to what he says. The prophet Ezekiel says, ah, you shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Shouldn't you have been feeding the sheep? You eat all the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep, but you do not feed the others. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled the sheep. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. <laughs> These Pharisees would have known what Jesus was accusing them of, and they, they would, that's what they would have heard, and they would have gone, oh, whoa. Jesus is harsh. And he says to these religious leaders in his day, he says, you failed to feed the sheep of God. You failed to feed my sheep. You have used them for your own gain. You have wounded my people. You have starved them, and now they have scattered, and, they, and no one seems to care. You know, that's why Jesus wept when he looked over Jerusalem. He said, they're sheep without a shepherd. They've been abused by their sheep, and so they've scattered, and Jesus wept. This is what God accuses the Pharisees of in John chapter 10. Now, uh, I talk about this pretty often. I go to counseling regularly. Therapy is a good thing. Can I get an Amen. Go to therapy, especially you men, okay? Go to therapy. It's good. It's good for your wives. It's good for your children. It's good for the world. Men, go to therapy. One of the things that my counselor encourages me particularly to be on guard against is cynicism. He's like, dude, Will, you are cynical. 
and that's not healthy. He calls me out on this all the time. That's something that I struggle with. Sentences, you probably even heard it in this, this, as I preached this sermon. You're like, whoa, look at him like going in on politicians and going on the media. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm prone to cynicism. And you know why? It's because I look out and I see politicians preying on people's fear. I see products and companies manipulating people's desires and manipulating them into buying products or eating food or, t- or taking, taking part in things that, are, that devour them. I feel the effects of those things in my own life. I mean, how many of you felt hoodwinked before by slick advertising or by some politician? You're like, man, they promised me one thing and all I got was, you know, this is nothing. Man, I've been wounded like many of you by false shepherds that have given, told me one, gave me a promise and then left me out to dry. And listen, I don't want to be self-righteous here. I know I've wounded people as well. But here's the thing, especially as a Christian, one of the things that, that just feeds my cynicism is I look out and I'll see religious leaders, pastors, who seem to take advantage of the sheep who seem to care more about themselves and their brands and their egos than they do about God's people. And listen, I know that, you know, everybody hates it when another, you know, famous pastor crumbles and falls. Everybody hates that. But I take that so hard. I mean, it hits me hard when those things happen. When news of another pastor fleecing their congregation or abusing their power or using their sheep to promote themselves, those things, that bothers me. And it's easy when I see that for me to lose hope and become cynical. Because the truth is, often I put way too much of my faith in other people and not the good shepherd. And when they let me down, I feel like I've been let down and like there's no one to trust. But I'm, my cynicism is not because I trusted the wrong people, or not because I, these people let me down. It's because I trusted in them to lead me to a place that only the good shepherd can lead me. And then it often, my cynicism leads me to think, who in this world can I trust? Anybody else feel that way? You're like, who can I trust anymore? And listen, I'm so grateful for godly friends and counselors and a wife who are always there to remind me that I was never meant, I was not created to put my hope and trust in princes and pastors and politicians or products or worldly philosophies. There is only one shepherd who can lead me into the life that I was made for. There's only one shepherd who's fully trustworthy. There's only one shepherd who will never let us down. You see, in Ezekiel 34, God made a promise. He called out the false shepherds, but he made a promise that he would shepherd his people in their place. Where they failed, he would succeed. And this is what he says in verse 11. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them with good pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. And I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and strong I will destroy. And I will feed them in justice. If you remember when we read John 10 earlier, Jesus accused the Pharisees of being hired hands or hirelings. A hired hand or a hireling is someone who's hired out to watch the sheep for a certain amount, a certain period of time. And they don't really care about the sheep. 
They don't know the sheep's name. They don't know the sheep's lives. They don't know the sheep's stories. They're simply there for a paycheck. They're simply there for their own gain. And Jesus says the difference between a hireling and a good shepherd is that when an enemy attacks, a hireling will throw the sheep in the way of danger and flee to save themselves. But a good shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd who does that. Jesus seeks the lost sheep. He brings back the strayed. He binds up the injured. He strengthens the weak. And he dies in our place to protect us from our enemies. You see, this is the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. This is how Jesus gives life. When the enemies of sin and death and judgment set their sights on us, Jesus stepped in and he gave himself for us on the cross. He laid his life down to protect his sheep from our greatest enemies. And then he picked his life back up when he rose from the grave and he leads us into new resurrection life. He says, follow me and I will lead you into green pastures, into a resurrected life. You see, the good shepherd protects us from our enemies. He leads us to green pastures where life is abundant and we have all we need. And most notably, we have the very presence of the shepherd himself. Who else will do that for you? Your political party going to do that for you? No. The second you let them down, they will cast you out. Is your favorite brand going to do that for you? No. There are a million voices that will sell you promises and then let you down and cast you out and sacrifice you to serve themselves when the going gets rough. But Jesus will never do that. He will throw himself in the way of death for you to have life, and he will never lead you to pasture that isn't good for you or water that doesn't satisfy. Listen, some of you may be skeptical. You may not, some of you in here may not be followers of Jesus, and you're like, maybe you're curious about following Jesus, and you go, does a life committed to following Jesus, listening to the voice of the shepherd, obeying his commands, will that really lead to the good life? I I know it's hard to believe sometimes. You'll think, will I miss out if if I go in the way of Jesus? Will I look like a fool? But have you ever wondered what the world would look like if every person committed themselves to the way of Jesus? Like, read the Sermon on the Mount. Think of the problems plaguing our culture right now. Sexual confusion, sexual abuse racial conflict, violence. We're not listening to the voice of the good shepherd. And if every person committed themselves to the way of Jesus, much of the thing, all the things that plague us would not plague us. Our problem is not, our problem is that we're listening to the wrong voices. And if we would listen to the voice of the good shepherd, he would lead you and he would lead us into good life. I think of my own life. I committed myself to the way of Jesus when I was about 20 years old. And you all know me. I'm not perfect. I have not always obeyed his voice. I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But I think of all the times in my life where I have listened to the voice of the good shepherd through the scriptures. That's how he speaks. Uh, My son is adopted. One of the greatest gifts of my life is my son. You know why we adopted him? Because my wife and I, early in our marriage, we're reading the Bible together, and we read in James 
when James says true religion at its core is caring for orphans in their distress. And we said, I mean, we're just simple people. We go, how do you care for orphans? Let's adopt one. I mean, that was the voice of Jesus speaking to us, and we obeyed. I wouldn't have my son if I wasn't listening to the good shepherd. You know, I'm here as your pastor at this church because it was the good shepherd that led me here. Before I came here, did you know that I pastored in the most churched county in America? That's a true story. And I was looking around, there's a hundred churches all over the place, good pastors that love their sheep, people that knew the, the voice of the good shepherd. And I, and I would read Matthew 28, which we're going to read together shortly. And I would read about Jesus, going into all nations. And I was like, do I really want to give my life in this place where, every, where there's shepherds everywhere that can shepherd God's people? And so I came to Brooklyn, New York, because the voice of the good shepherd was calling me here. Man, I, I'm, and I love this church. I love being your pastor. I love being here. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for listening to the voice of the good shepherd. Man, I think of all the times that I've said no to sin and temptation. Or the times that I've uh, obeyed his voice to love and to serve people. Now listen, uh, there are many times I haven't done those things. But listen, I've got a ton of regrets in my life. I've listened to the wrong voice way too many times to count, and I regret many of those times, all of those times. But there's not a single regret in my life where I have followed the voice of the Good Shepherd and followed the way of Jesus. He has never let me down. I have let myself down. Others have let me down. But he has never let me down, and he won't let you down either. He laid down his life for you on the cross, and he is showing you a, a new way to live through his resurrection. And the question for you and for me is, will you listen to his voice? He will lead you through the door of freedom and into new life. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, and that you sent your son to speak into our lives. God, give us the courage to listen to his voice while he speaks. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.